What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to True North Talk with Peter Burtnett and Joseph Staten. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about wisdom and how having godly biblical wisdom bestows well-being. I want to start out, though, with a, a question for you, Joe. How would you answer the question, why does wisdom bestow well-being? And, and I want to ask it, I kind of want to frame it f- from, for people who are listening who maybe aren't coming from a Christian perspective, I feel like it's easy for us to kind of go with a general answer of, oh, it's, it's what the Bible says works, it's what God says works, and that's good enough. But how would you explain, maybe again, to somebody who's not familiar with the, the Christian faith, the, to answer the question, how and why does wisdom bestow well-being upon a person? There's a saying I, I once read, I believe in the 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. And it was that a wise man reads from others' mistakes and does not make them himself. And that a foolish man does not read from others' mistakes or learn from others' mistakes, but yet wants to, you know, commit them himself. And I think mm-hmm. wisdom and attaining wisdom, especially biblical wisdom, allows you to avert a lot of life's downfalls and to not have to experience some of the hardships of life if you are willing to put in the work and seek wisdom. And I also always personally, and I think this is a, is, an, is, is a universal thing when it comes to gaining wisdom, but I think when you pursue wisdom and when you seek wisdom, it's, it's truly fulfilling to the soul. It, it's a, hmm. it's, it is a gratifying, very fortifying discipline for your spirit and your soul to seek wisdom. Hmm. But uh, to answer your question directly, yes, it, it allows you to avert some of life's challenges, maybe not even challenges, but uh, negative experiences. It allows you to avoid those if you're willing to put in the work. Yeah, I agree with that 100. percent That was kind of what I would have what I would have said as well. Um, pretty much along the exact same lines. Pretty just that when you have wisdom, you have the knowledge necessary to make the correct decisions. Really, in every situation that you're in, and you know, again, that that translates. I think. You know, I think the best kind of wisdom is obviously biblical wisdom, but again, just kind of wisdom in general, I think, like you said perfectly, is something that, like you said, helps you avoid the, the pitfalls and the, the mistakes and the challenges of life. Um, but but yeah, that's that's definitely a, a great way to, to sum it up. And obviously, though, the very best way to answer that question is to go straight to the source, straight to the book of wisdom from the man who was known from his wisdom will be reading today from Proverbs chapter three, written by Solomon, who just to provide some quick background was the son of King David. Solomon was far from uh, a perfect man, just like his, his, his father. He fell into kind of some of the similar uh, pitfalls that David did, um, Lust especially had, what, like 700 wives or something like that, 700 wives and concubines, something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to provide any more of what, you know, who Solomon is, you know, from your knowledge, but, um, and then then maybe we could dive into Proverbs 3. Yeah, so, I mean, just some background on Proverbs, uh, as Peter was saying, you know, it's really one of the most rich books in the Bible. I have always personally found that, no matter what experience you're going through or a challenge you may be going through, Proverbs truly provides a lot of comfort. 
even I would say above some of the, you know, some of the Psalms and praises to God and songs to God, mm-hmm. I think it's two different types of peace that come, right? Because I would say that a Psalm really kind of encourages you. It kind of lifts the soul, but Proverbs, it really refines your, your way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And there is a level of peace and tranquility that comes with wisdom. Uh, because I think that wisdom, when, when we acquire wisdom, it allows us to um, almost construct our lives in a way in which um, we are able to, like I said, in the, kind of in the intro, but to really to negate you know, a lot of the unnecessary downfalls of, of our human nature. It's not saying mm-hmm. that you can live some perfect life or anything like that, but I, I think it's so important and peace-giving to read the book of Proverbs. I found much, much peace in Proverbs and many times a trial in my life. But also I do want to read, um, just to give a little bit of background on Solomon before we dive into this. As mm-hmm. Peter was saying, the son of David, very blessed. And he was blessed because um, God gave Solomon wisdom because he prayed for wisdom above all else. He didn't pray, he didn't ask really for you know possessions or success or you know position in life. He asked God for wisdom above all else. And God honored his prayer and God, you know, saw that and said, you know, he was very, very, he loved Solomon very much and answered his prayer and gave him wisdom and made him the most wise man on earth. There were kings that would travel to Solomon from all over the earth to ask him questions and to listen to his wisdom. And that's, that's the book of Proverbs. So just want to preface that a little bit before we go ahead and dive into Proverbs three here. Definitely. And, and actually I want to, I want to add quickly a little passage from Proverbs 1, the very beginning, and then I'm going to ask a question to, to you, Joe. Um, this is from, again, Proverbs chapter 1, very beginning, first verses. The Pro- Proverbs of Solomon, king of da- son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the saying and the, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So actually, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to give you t- two quick questions here, Joe. First thing, you know, obviously reactions to 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 that passage right there. And then the second question is, if you had to pick out a book of the Bible that and this might be kind of a rhetorical question, maybe not. If you had to pick a book of the Bible that you would say is most similar to our favorite book, Think and Grow Rich, being that motivation, like self help book, would you say that that Proverbs would be kind of that parallel from a biblical perspective and a godly perspective? <clears throat> to, well, to answer your first question, um, thoughts on Proverbs one, the intro, uh, verse seven: "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all no- of knowledge." but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And I I want to make a point here really quickly about this overarching theme in our culture, especially on social media and YouTube, especially of self-help and and Mm self-improvement. There's a very large section of especially young men that are obsessed with self-improvement. And even I myself in the past have have kind of fallen fallen into into this ideology of, uh, you know, becoming the best, the best version of yourself and believing that you can do that without without fully relying on God, you know, relying on your discipline, relying on your strength, uh, relying on your your habits. But as you know, if you have that mindset, you are leaving out the most important part, which is the fear of the Lord. Because at some point mm-hmm. or another, you will fall on your face without placing 
the emphasis fully on God. And you have to fear the Lord to be able to soak in the wisdom and fully appreciate it. An example of this that I've experienced is at my job. I'm not going to say which job or who this was, but there was an individual who was telling a story about a family member of his and how he grew up with this family member and just basically could not wait to leave the house and leave him because, you know, they just did not get along. And I know this person, I know the situation, and it was clearly just an example of being emotional and giving into the human, uh, you know, the human, I guess, tendency to um, think that you're better than everybody else. And it was just a situation where he needed some instruction and he needed, he needed to be told that family, you know, is something that you're going to have for the rest of your life. And in likelihood mm-hmm. is at the end of the day, this is somebody you're going to probably depend upon when you're later in life and somebody you should make an effort to have a relationship with. They did nothing mm-hmm. wrong to them. And he just did not want to hear it. And it was, in my opinion, it was a, um, an example of this verse right here. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Why was that? Because this individual at the end of the day, was not pursuing a relationship with God. He didn't, he didn't fear God. So why would he care about wisdom? I think that's a perfect parallel. But to your, mm-hmm. answer your second question, um, I do see a lot of parallels between Proverbs and Think and Grow Rich because, frankly, that book is about wisdom. It's, it's about, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is a book full of wisdom that most of the population will never come across and will never find. Um, and I would say that a lot of the wisdom in that book does align with with some things in Proverbs, but I also think that there's generic themes in the Bible that align with the teachings that, in that book. For example, the, the importance of faith. That is a mm-hmm. key, um, that is a key uh, foundational aspect of just about everything in the Christian faith is faith, is the aspect of having faith. But yeah, I would, I would say this book is a, is a pretty good parallel to that book. Awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely 100% agree. Um, and then I just want to add on to, to that story that you were t- telling about, um, you know, the, the relationship with, with his family that actually I'll, I'll round out kind of this beginning of, of Proverbs one, right? The next two verses, eight and nine in Proverbs one, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your neck and a chain to adorn your neck. So again, we, we don't all have perfect parents and where, where everything that they say is correct or godly. Joe and I both are blessed, blessed with, you know, parents who, who are connected in, in that way to, to God. But, um, yeah, I think that just kind of further adds to the, the point that of just the importance of family and especially, um, you know, what your parents, parents provide for you. It also reminds me, there's a verse from, Oh, what was it? one of the gospels? I forget which one it was, but you know, Jesus was teaching about friends and the reality of relationships and human beings. And there's the idea that faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know, you're not going to have just complete perfection at all times with any relationship. And again, it takes wisdom to understand that. But yeah, the underlying point is that without God, without fearing God, you're not going to care about wisdom. Why would you care about wisdom? You're going to live your life. You're going to think that you're God. You're going to think that you don't need wisdom. I'll figure it out. That's how you're going to see the world. So also, um, before we go ahead and read three, what I was saying earlier about the backstory in Solomon, I have first Kings four twenty nine through 34 pulled up 
It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and the breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Ezraite, wiser than Heman, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs mm. numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. From all nations of people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. So, I mean, how do you even like, how do you even fully appreciate what's in that paragraph? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's clearly telling us the impactfulness of Solomon's words. So I think it just gives a reverence, a certain, you know, attitude of reverence when when we are reading the Proverbs. Definitely. I think another word to, to put in there would be it adds credibility and it shows also that the fact that it's still relevant today shows the power of, of God over time in how he inspired Solomon's thoughts. And unless you have anything else to add, I think we might as well dive into some of those thoughts right now, starting in Proverbs 3. Yeah, absolutely. I'm ready. And then I, I don't know if you want to split it up maybe into three and we can kind of break down in thirds. It's about 36 verses, so. Sure. I can read probably like the first 10. That seems to be kind of a together thing. And then we can kind of go from there. Cool. So again, this is Proverbs 3. If you want to follow along or look it up and read it yourself later. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with, with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will bring brim over with new wine. Hmm. There's three things that stood out to me right away. Unless you had something you want to say right off the bat, go ahead. And if, if there's anything I have to add, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. So first of all, something I notice is that it's, I, I feel like we've had this conversation before of this idea that if you, it, you know, there's like the absolute extreme side of prosperity gospel, and then there's the other extreme, which is like, you shouldn't expect to get anything in this life if you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. It's going to be all suffering, all pain. Uh, I think that this presents um, an interesting idea in the sense that it says you can win, you will win favor in a good name in the sight of God and man. Um, it'll bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. Your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. I think that you know, maybe, and maybe there are some spiritual metaphors in, in those examples, but I also think that it, this shows the side of the human and real benefits that we receive when we honor God with our lives. It is a really a mutually beneficial relationship um, hmm. between God and ourselves, and there are real physical benefits to pursuing a relationship with him, and I, I don't know, I think it's really interesting, verse 8, health to your body, nourishment to your bones. A lot of people think sickness is, is purely physical. I think a lot of sickness today, kind of to you know reference the end of our last episode about mental health, but I think a lot of it can be due to spiritual conditions. Hmm. Um, 
that was the first thing. The second thing I noticed is um, the importance of memorization of scripture, keeping the commands in your heart. It'll prolong, prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity simply for the reason that we're, when we're confronted with tough situations, we have to make decisions. If we have that scripture in our hearts, no matter how you may feel in a situation, logic and the truth, the objective truth should overcome those emotions and allow you to make the proper decisions. Um, mm-hmm. And number and verse six, the third thing I noticed was, you know, this idea that Christianity perpetrates that men are superior to women. Absolutely not. Verse six, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. All of us Christians mm-hmm. submit fully to God equally. Yep. And it's just an, it's, it's an incomplete thought to say that that Christianity perpetrates that uh, that idea. But those are my three takeaways. I don't know if you had any comments on that or anything yourself. No, I, I think you summed up each of those three points perfectly well. I, I just kind of want to add, you know, kind of to, to reference a point that you made earlier in the episode, and even kind of to, to piggyback off that third point is this idea of being selfish and me, me first thinking in in discovering wisdom to, you know, coming from it from the perspective of uh, garnering wisdom for ourselves. And I think verse seven and again, verse six as well. And you've actually verse five too. you know, that, that those three verses trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes fear the Lord and shun evil. I think the reason I put some added emphasis on that first half of verse seven is again, sometimes we can become wise. In fact, I would say oftentimes we can become wise and we see it through our own eyes and see it as, you know, kind of our own, like you said, self, our own doing self, self help, self improvement ideas. But I think it's very important to remember where that wisdom is as long as it is godly biblical wisdom, where that wisdom originates from. And so mm. I think to, to add on to the points that you made, that would be my takeaway from this opening third of Proverbs 3, is that any wisdom, any and all wisdom that we do receive is not from us, and we should not look at it through our own eyes, but instead remember to to fear the Lord, and then when we do receive the benefits from this verse nine, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, not our, not our second best or third best, but with our very best of all our crops. And, you know, you could rephrase that to, you know, the money that you make, the success that that you're able, however you want to measure success that you're able to achieve, that goes back to God first above anything else. And it, we need, because we need to remember that that's where it originates from. So yeah, I think so much just from those 10 verses and I'm excited to, to, to kind of dive into the rest of this unless you had anything to add first. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. I feel like if you <laughs> 10 verses, <laughs> right. if you showed these verses to somebody who's never read the Bible, I think those 10 verses could, could profoundly huh. change their life. And, and that yeah. just goes to show you the power of this book Proverbs. But I mean, other than that, I think you kind of summed it up perfectly. I'm ready to go to 11 if you are. Sure. Do you want to, do you want to take those or do you want me to read it again? Uh, I can I can take those. I'll probably go through 22. I'm thinking 20. Okay, 22. 22. Okay. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. 
as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you can desire uh, can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided, and, and the clouds let, the, let drop the dew. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you and ornament to grace your neck. Any thoughts? Again, very, very powerful. I'll, I think I have two immediately, and I'll see if a third kind of comes to my mind to kind of parallel it, what you on. did earlier. I got a question for Go you, ahead. Is sure. it just me, or does that seem like... It seemed kind of poetic. Some of the some of the wording yeah. there, it was like poetic. Definitely, and I think, I think you know, it, it would have been genetic the way that similar way that to poetic. how, well, the way that it was put poetic <laughs> because, <laughs> because poetic. obviously, yeah, because obviously his father David. So many of those psalms are extraordinarily poetic. And so I think that's kind of, and it, and it shows that because both, you know, David was a man after God's own heart and Solomon, again, neither one was perfect, but in many ways Solomon lived the same way. They were able to put together, you know, phrases and again, basically poems that even to this day and through many, many translations still translate to something that is so extraordinarily beautiful to read and and also obviously very very impactful so yeah i think that's a, a phenomenal point yeah i mean i was just something i was noticing is like i don't know it's a lot of metaphors in there it's poetic the way it's worded but, definitely um, yeah i think an important point from this one is discipline yeah that's what i was going to say and not necessarily discipline in the sense of self-improvement like being disciplined going to bed on time all that reading every day but more of discipline in the sense of when you do something you're not supposed to do, hmm. um, you should be rebuked. Verse yep. 11, do not resent his rebuke. So maybe a question for you is what, is, what do you think it looks like for the Lord to rebuke you? I would say, first of all, and there is a limit to, to how this is healthy or unhealthy, but... I would say, first and foremost, a sense of guilt. And again, there's a level to that where the devil takes over the you know, reasonable amount of guilt that the Lord does want you to feel, and then you just kind of beat yourself down and be like, I'm such an idiot for doing that, and you just consistently you know, just beat yourself down. Um, but I think, yeah, the first one would be guilt. That's, <laughs> guilt's not a good feeling to have. When you mess up and you know it, it hurts, you know, mm. to, to think, to think about that and to, to realize that not only did you fail, you know, yourself in, in that sin, but you also ultimately failed God. And so I think that's the first way, obviously sometimes certain sins, you're going to see the, um, the consequences of those sins in your life. You know, if you lie to somebody there, you know, you're going to see that they don't trust you anymore. If you, hurt or, or cheat on somebody, then they're going to, again, they're, they're not going to trust you. Or if you just in, in general wrong somebody, you're going to see that those, those fruits bear out. So that's, that's what I would say is that, um, 
you know, you're, you're going to first of all feel guilt. And again, it's very, very important to remember um, that, that there is a limit to how much you should feel guilt and really not even maybe so much how much, but how you go about dealing with that guilt. Again, if it's, you're beating yourself down, you're, you're calling yourself, you know, an absolute loser for making that mistake and just an utter failure. That's not the right way to go about it. But if you're like, I've fallen short because like Romans said, all have fall short of the glory of God, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we look at it from that perspective and also, you know, like, again, we'll, we'll see, I think in some ways discipline from God, but I think it's also important to self-discipline ourselves. And again, that's, that's not looking at yourself as just a complete failure and, you know, thinking of yourself as somebody that God could never love, but instead being like, yeah, I, I messed up. I need to do better. But ultimately, you can you can gain, I think, wisdom, obviously, from those experiences. I mean, yeah, I think it's the same thing as when we're kids and we're we're disciplined by our parents. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. um, and I, I would almost say that conviction would be a better word even than guilt necessarily, yep. because. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, much better. Yeah, I feel like guilt is something that is kind of festered over a little bit and something you kind mm-hmm. of dwell upon. Whereas conviction is you do something wrong, you're convicted and you repent and yep. learn from that. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of a, a, an issue of wording there. It's not too, too big of a difference, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's discipline in the same sense of, of kind of parenting. That's, that's kind of the, the perspective of God's discipline, but mm-hmm. I don't think many people will know or appreciate that. I think people see right. God's discipline as, you know, unfair or, a kind of Zeus type discipline, right? Like lightning from the sky. And just, <laughs> yeah, striking lightning you know, from the sky. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and also, and also thinking that every negative thing that happens in their life is God's choosing to discipline them, which is not accurate either. Right. I mean, there are physical consequences for certain sins, like you said. I mean, one that that came to my mind that you didn't say was like alcoholism. Like yep. if somebody's alcoholic, you're going to have physical consequences. Your body <laughs> is going to die die sooner. You're going you're going to have, you know a lot of issues and that's in direct yep. consequence of your sin. Hmm. So it is, it is a level of discipline I would say from God, but also, you know, discipline that you need to cultivate within yourself. For so, sure. And then, I don't know, something else stood out to me with this was that wisdom is more profitable than silver, better returns than gold. I think that's true. That's so true because the difference between material wealth and spiritual peace like anybody who has spiritual peace is much more wealthy than a, somebody who has a hundred million dollars, but it, 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 their spirit mm-hmm. is in turmoil. Yep. You know, you could be the richest person in the world, but if you're, if you are living in a state of turmoil, what is the point? And yep. I think that's kind of the, the message here is that, man, if you seek wisdom, if you gain understanding, you're, you're, I mean, it's more precious than rubies. Verse 15, nothing you can desire will compare with that. And, you know, it allows long life because you're at peace. Your body is healthy. It's, it's functioning properly. You know, you're living in a state of calmness, joy, left-hand are riches and honor. The ways are pleasant. The paths are peace. It's, it is a perfect mm-hmm. image of what we gain from seeking the wisdom of God. So that's, it's a great section there. Definitely. Yeah. I think the 13 through 18, especially is what you talked about that, that poetic and 
honestly, I couldn't sum that part up any better than you did. Um, the only thing I was going to add again is that nothing you desire can compare with her, but, but you already touched on that. So yeah, I would encourage anybody listening to this episode to go reread. I mean, again, this whole chapter and really, you know, the, the whole book of Proverbs, but 13 through 18 in chapter three. And then my kind of final takeaway is kind of going off of what you were talking about earlier with the credibility that Solomon has for the wisdom when you read that passage from Kings, but verses 19 through 20 here kind of offer, if you didn't already need, need that reminder of God's credibility and what, what wisdom means coming from God. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. Again, po- poetic poetic language there, the way that uh, end clause there is worded, but... Let <laughs> drop the dew. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Mount, Mountain Dew fans out there, this this is... <laughs> <laughs> Mountain Dew is, is something straight from God, I guess. Clouds <laughs> let drop the dew. That's hilarious. Yeah. No, but, I, but, I don't, bro, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. I mean... If you want to, I don't know if you have anything else to add there, but if not, we can keep going. No, I would just encourage everybody again, this, this whole book, this whole chapter. Um, but, but yeah, I think that just to kind of sum up that point, it just shows that the, the wisdom and understanding that laid the earth's foundations, set the heavens in place and the knowledge that divided the watery depths and let drop the dew. That obviously means I think both dew and maybe rain, that wisdom, understanding, and knowledge is something that God offers to us. And so we're, again, I think falling short and really failing ourselves and God if we don't use that to build his kingdom. And so, yeah, that, that would be just how I sum up that point. And then the, the, the final two verses here, just to quickly touch on those. Um, Do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. That on that point, make sure that you're always staying locked in to that wisdom and understanding and, you know, sound judgment and discretion. Make sure that you're always staying locked in on that. And the, the encouragement then from from that last part of what you read, 22, they will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. So, again, real, real amazing, powerful stuff. Joe, if you have anything to add, if not, I can maybe go ahead and read the the, the last 13 or so verses here. Yeah, man, go ahead. I think you summed it up great, so I'm ready for the last 13. Perfect. Proverbs 3, verse 23 through the the end. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. For the Lord detests the perverse but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. 
Dang, that last verse, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's tough. I mean, that, bro, that, I mean, that's why people don't like reading the Bible, straight up. Yeah. Because statements like that, it's just facts. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's, I would say, violent. It's violent wording to people who are, who are not humbly coming to the scriptures. Because it's but, convicting on that yeah, point. it's convicting. And the people nowadays especially, but really throughout human history, it hurts to get convicted sometimes, you know, even coming from a background of faith and, and being used to hearing stuff like this, just in general in life, when you're convicted of something, it, it stings. And so, yeah, I think that's on that point why a lot of people turn away from, from what the Bible has to say. Yeah, and, and something that I've noticed here, and I don't know, man, to me... The theme of the second half of these verses that you read, it kind of the theme I took from that was like, don't like lower your character to participate in what everybody else is doing type of thing. Yep. Like, don't lower, don't lower your standards. Like, do not accuse anyone for no reason. Do not envy the violent. Uh, do not he mocks proud mockers. And and this is something that I have seen in play recently, in some of the people that I interact with. You know, there's a tendency of, with human beings, I think, to get in this tribe mentality and, and kind of, hmm. you know, all band against somebody or something. And, and it's, it's common practice, man. When, when somebody's like joking about somebody to join in on it or the temptations there, or, or if, you know, especially if it's somebody that you don't like, right. You know, that's maybe you don't get along with too well. And then there's a group of people kind of mocking them or say saying something against them. It's very tempting, especially if they're your friends or if you're friendly with them to kind of join in on it. But this is, speaks very clearly to me something i've i've witnessed recently is that um even in those situations when it's very easy to do it and when, even when you may feel like it's justified you know be very wary of of mocking anybody because you'll be mocked yourself and humility is something that is very very difficult to cultivate um and you have to be actively pursuing that and seeking that out um especially Again, verse 30, do not accuse anyone for no reason. Um, you have to be very careful with your words because they will come back to bite you very often. And I, I think, again, that's, that's kind of the theme I took away from the second half here. I'm not sure what you took away, but um, it's important stuff. It's very important stuff. Definitely. Well, I'll, I'll just tack on a little bit to, to what you said about the second half and then offer my thoughts on that first half too. Yeah. Um, I feel like those are all, like you said, with that tribe mentality and everything – Another th- kind of reason people will say for the Bible is, oh, those things don't apply. That was written thousands of years ago. But I think you, you look at verses, like you said, 27 through 31, really the rest. Those are all things that people still do to this day is withholding good from those to whom it is due when it's in their power to act and to do good. It's having having the ability to help out your neighbor and being like, oh, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll, I'll give it to you tomorrow. It's plotting harm against your neighbor, maybe to, to better yourself or for whatever other selfish reason people might have when when they live trustfully near you. It's accusing people. I think this one might be, especially in the culture that we live in now, I think that one might be the strongest out of all of these is going after somebody when they haven't done any harm to you. And, yeah. and really, even, even when they have, it's God's, God's to do justice with. And so I think 30 out of all of these stands out the most. And then 
envying the violence. I'm a little little stuck on how that one would apply as much. If you have an example of what you think that would look like, definitely add that. But again, I, I, think, again, I think all of those are things that happen still today. I think envying the violent is kind of looking at people in positions of power or violent people and saying, look at them. They're in positions. They, they're, they've attained success. They don't, they don't conduct themselves righteously. And By whatever kind of means, that, right? You know? Definitely. And I think that's kind of what I was talking about. You know, you cannot... There's, there's another proverb. I forget which one it was, but it says, whatever is gained on a foundation of dishonesty or deception will come to ruin. Hmm. So anything built upon a foundation of lies and, and deception and just evil, they will pay the price for it. So there's no reason yep. to envy any of that. Anything built on truth as a foundation will ultimately be glorified in the end because you're glorifying God. So it's just, yeah, I think the main thing there is just not looking at people who have seemingly broken the code of the universe and attained success, you know, by negative means. Yep. The house built on the sand will fall and sink into the sea. While the house built on a strong foundation, the rock will stand. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way to sum up exactly what you just said. Did is, did you quote that directly? Or did you just have that kind of in your head? I had that in my head. Yeah, just, <laughs> okay. it's pretty familiar. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> impressive there, Peter. I must say. Very well, impressive. it's it's not it's not me. It's it's the Holy Spirit working and reminding me of that. But I, I sure do appreciate was, it. I'm sure that's lodged somewhere in the subconscious mind, some Bible verse somewhere. Oh, for sure. It's, it's from Matthew. It's from Matthew. Actually, it's one of the parables. I'm pretty sure I would have been, it would have been Jesus telling the parable. I'm going to, I'm going to look this up real quick. Um, but if you maybe, if you maybe want to talk about those first, like it would have been first verses, uh, 23 through 26, maybe your thoughts on those real quick while I look up the exact reference from the house on sand versus house on rock. And then I'll, I'll offer my thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to the first first section of this this chapter is that, you know, seeking wisdom and, and pursuing wisdom and understanding will give you peace. And as it says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. You have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked for the Lord will be at your side and your foot will it will keep your foot from being snared. I mean, it's true when you're seeking mm-hmm. wisdom, when you're in the word of God every day, um, I truly can, I can attest that I, I don't really have any fears. I mean, literally even the fear of death does not, it doesn't scare me because hmm. if anything, death is something that will <laughs> put you in the presence of God. So yep. if you death die, is a doorway. it kind of is what it is. I mean, if you're seeking the Lord, you don't want to, nobody wants to die. I mean, life is precious, but your fears really become much less loud hmm. in your, in your mind and your soul and that's you know that, that is represented perfectly here in these verses. Uh, just the idea that seeking wisdom is is like I said in the beginning of the episode, it's uh, fulfilling and fortifying to the soul. Definitely, but I, I did find the the passage. I think it's also in Luke. Again, a lot of what's in the Gospels is in different places throughout. But Matthew chapter seven verses twenty four through twenty seven is the story I was talking about, and then I just want to round it out the the last couple of verses in that chapter. Um, because I think they're also very important and powerful and just awesome. So build your house on the rock is the subtitle for this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, Jesus talking, obviously, and does them will be like a wise man talking about wisdom who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. 
And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Mm. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of reminds me, actually, one of our favorite uh, legendary Big Ten coaches of our era, uh, Coach Mike D'Antoni from Michigan State University. Hmm. Um, (laughs) I say Mike D'Antoni. His name is Mark D'Antonio, but, you know, Coach Harbaugh would call him Mike D'Antoni, so I'm going to honor Harbaugh's legacy here. (laughs) Uh, Coach Mike D'Antoni would famously quote before all the Michigan matchups that uh, pride comes pride comes before the fall, mm-hmm. and it's true. Pride comes before the fall. Humility wins in the end. Um, nothing built upon evil will stand. Hmm. Period. So, I think that was kind of a perfect scripture, bro, to, to pull up here. Definitely, and just quickly to add, you know, additional thoughts to that. I think the person who builds their house on the rock. And the rock, obviously, metaphorically speaking here, is the foundation of, of Jesus Christ, of God the Father, of the Holy Spirit, and ultimately also the church in our earthly lives, is somebody who trusts on that foundation. They don't trust on themselves. They don't trust on their own ability to build that house or to, to, you know, to produce the correct foundation and structure for it. They trust in God and in the resources that God provides for us to have wisdom and to have a strong foundation on Mm. the flip side the fool who builds his house on the sand i would say on that pride point is somebody that believes in themselves only themselves not in what god has given them but they believe in themselves to produce their own foundation and then when the storms come they don't have something rock solid to lean on and i think that's again kind of a final point you can gain from this is when the storms come and storms come in life. We, we both know that. When those storms come and you have built your house with God's wisdom, you're not going to fall. So that's, that's my encouragement to, to everybody listening to this episode. Yeah, I mean, storms, storms come and tuck come and everything like that. You're going to have trials. <laughs> you're going to have, you know, losing seasons, kind of <laughs> like Michigan State's going through right now. And, or Ohio State basketball Peter. right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to go below the belt here and talk about football, but we'll, we'll stay away yeah. from that. But uh, I do have to ask, Peter, do you resonate with, with Coach uh, Mike D'Antoni's comments on pride before the fall? Of course, definitely. Yeah. When, you, when you only trust in, your, in yourself, lean not on your own understanding, to, to quote, I think maybe that was earlier in this proverb, when you lean on your own understanding, you're going to fall because, I mean, it, let's, let's be honest, let's be real. Our, ourselves as humans, we're flawed, we're, we fall short, we're, we're wicked, we're just, you know, we don't measure up. But because of the sacrifice and the, the perfect life of Jesus Christ, we all have the opportunity to stand on a solid foundation. And I, I just want to close quickly for, for anybody listening who maybe hasn't given their life to Jesus yet, I would encourage you if you're if you're ready to do that. It's as simple as the the ABCs we like to call it of, of, of faith. First of all, at admitting that that you're a sinner, that you've fallen short, and that you can't reach God's standards. Second is B. Believe that that Jesus Christ, like I said, was 
the perfect son of God. He came to this earth. He lived a perfect life and he died for your, yours and mine and everybody's sins. And then finally confessing, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and the, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind. I think I quoted that correctly. Yeah. And so with, with those simple things, if you're ready, pray, pray each of those things again, admit you're a sinner, believe that Jesus came to, to die, to live and to die for those sins and confess, you know, cry out that that Jesus Christ is Lord. Live out your life. Tell other people about it. And and also, I know some people who are listening to this that maybe aren't saved yet aren't ready to make that decision yet. My encouragement to you would be to read over this proverb and other proverbs throughout the book, and also you know Matthew seven or really throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and ultimately. I believe that God will pull pull on those heartstrings and will lead you to to following Him. But I just yeah. I, I felt inspired by the conversation we've had today, and I, I think presenting the gospel is is something that we should do as as often as we can. Yeah, and to put it simply, um, to anybody out there, maybe of a different religion or, or like you, Peter was saying, that's not doesn't believe in God currently or is not saved currently. Um, to put it very simply, what saves us is our faith. And I say that because I've had conversations with people who are of other religions or, like I said, don't believe in God. And, and there's, there's, there is a confusion sometimes of, of how, how do you go to heaven? And very simple. You put your faith in Christ. Hmm. It's not your good works. It's not, you know, it's not what you do. It's not the amount of times you pray. It's, it's not the amount of times you go to church. It's your faith in Christ. Now, your faith, will, your faith in Christ saves you, and it will drive you to do all those other things, but those things in themselves do not save you. You don't have to worry about that. That's, that's the whole point of Jesus and why he came is to, you know, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law and make it, make it possible for us to be reconciled to God. Mm-hmm. And it's through our faith. By grace, you are saved through faith, not by works. It's your faith that saves you. And as Peter was mm-hmm. saying, if you're not saved... Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Putting your faith in Christ, picking up your Bible, starting reading and praying, and I, and I would encourage you to get involved in, a, in your local church. It's not mm-hmm. it's not necessary to go to heaven, but I mean it's going to be a lot harder if you don't do that. So, um, yeah, want to echo everything you said there, and I don't know. I, it's kind of like a power podcast, bro. This is like a powerful, <laughs> power packed episode. I feel like everything we really said here is is very impactful and hopefully transformative to our listeners today. Definitely, and. You brought up a point that I absolutely love about about faith and everything. I want to, and you kind of quoted it here, but I want to maybe add this, and then if either you or I want to end end this episode in a prayer, I think yeah. that would be the perfect way to end it. So this is from Ephesians chapter two. It's a book in the New Testament, shortly after the Gospels. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That would be Satan, the devil the spirit that is now in work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses or our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places of Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith 
and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Boom. Amen. <laughs> yeah, Amen. I can I can wrap this up in prayer, bro, if, if you're good. Definitely. Let's do it. Yeah. Dear Lord, uh, thank you for Peter and I coming together and making this episode today and, and really kind of just the power of this, of what we talked about. It's truly, it's, it's from your word. It's not through, you know, by our own strength of our own skill, nothing like that. Uh, we just pray that everybody who listened to this episode today, God, would have these words penetrate their souls and their hearts, Lord, if they're not already mm-hmm. saved. Uh, we just pray that their eyes would be open, that you would do a work in them. As, as we just quoted in that scripture, Lord, it's not of our doing. Um, it's, it's you. And we just pray that you'd open the eyes of anybody listening to this episode. Uh, we thank you so much for the ability to have these conversations and put these out there, Lord. I, I pray for, um, I pray for the podcast and I pray for everybody listening to it, that we would all continually and collectively grow in our relationship with you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. There we go, man. Wow. <laughs> well, if you made it this far in the episode, uh, we are very grateful and, um, Make sure you leave a like and rate the podcast. And I, th- I think, I mean, for me, that's that's about it for episode 32, unless you have something to add, Peter. No, just remember remember to, to pursue wisdom, to remember who it comes from, and at the end of the day, it's all to, to honor him, to the glory of God the Father. Yeah, the fear of the Lord is being the beginning of all wisdom and understanding. Mm-hmm. So, Amen. Good stuff. We will see everybody next episode. Peace out. God bless.